June 21st, 2020. I'm Ron Scharf. I'm Avi Kaufman. And this is Accent Insights. Well, we are midway through the most unusual year that either one of us has seen in our long careers in this business. And uh, we thought we'd start today's podcast just looking at how things are stacking up this year. When we were in the springtime and nothing was happening, we were wondering, and we had a lot of clients wondering what was going to happen. And when the market started to open up, it looked like there was more action than than we had expected. And we thought maybe that we would just be having a late spring. And so we took a look at some numbers and, you know, they might be bearing that out. Avi, what, what are we seeing? Yeah. So in the early parts of the of the pandemic, it was right when the spring market normally would have been. And so the spring market just didn't happen back in March and, and April. And at the time we were down, you know, 50, 60 percent in terms of number of new listings. Uh, so there just wasn't a lot for sale. And now year to date, we're still down 25 percent compared to last year uh, at this time. But here's the hope. Here's the ray of light. June 1st to June 20th this year, we have 77 new listings in Brookline, which is up 37% compared to last year. At the same period last year, there were 56. So it kind of seems like spring is just happening uh, a little bit delayed. That's right. And I, I think this bears out a little bit of what we were talking about um, when we, we looked at our survey results, which was you know, for better or for worse, the people in Brookline tend to be higher income people. And again, for better or for worse, the higher income people seem to be better able, or at least think they're better able to handle the economic consequences of COVID and all that came with it. So while people were sitting it out when they had to, and then maybe were being a little more tentative, you know, as things started to open up, it does seem like people are coming off the fence. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that's what I saw on Tremont Street, the listing we, we talked about last week, our listing in Newton, uh, 168 Tremont Street. I was a single family in need of some some repairs and it hadn't been occupied for a while. We listed it at 689. We, we were flooded with interest on this one. Uh, it had 60 showings over the course of the weekend. Right. That's amazing. Um, Just to remind people, because it because it bears reminding, this is one where you said in the description, does it need work? Yes. And, you know, from a marketing strategy perspective, you were proactive in providing an inspection report. And as part of your instructions, you told people, please read the inspection report before you come, right? Don't come if you're not prepared to, uh, to, to take the house, you know, as, as we're presenting it to you with an open kimono. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? The strategy worked. The market responded. People were very interested. You know, the fear that, that we had, if we hadn't disclosed all that information, I was afraid that we'd only get developers and builders to, who would be able to come and make a bid. And they would naturally have to bid lower because you know they're running a business, they have to build in profit margin and, and their carrying costs and all of that. So we wanted to give end users an opportunity that to understand the house and to feel confident enough to make a, a bid. And the strategy worked. We had quite a few bidders who are end users. And I believe the winners of what we had, the end result is that we have an end user who is buying this house and is going to restore it and uh, cherish this house. And to that point, I mean, the inspection report on this house as, as much as the house looked older, the inspection report indicated pretty clearly that, I mean, every every agent says, oh, the house has great bones. But um, this this was actually a house with very strong bones. And, you know, underneath the cosmetics of it was in pretty good shape, right? For the most part, uh, you know, a lot of the systems were older. To say it has good bones is absolutely true. Uh, we'd also have to say, you know, there's some some real upgrades that you would have to do or, or would want to do pretty pretty early into moving in. 
but you know you can you can price that out you can value that and include that in your logic when you're making your offer so that it makes sense for you and what we did when we said that is we ended up 60 showings almost one in every four parties that saw it made an offer uh, so you know i think they would captured the right part of the market there to be clear right you didn't say four offers you said 14 offers that's right that's right 14 offers the people are ready. The buyers are out there. We just need to get the inventory back out so that they have something to buy. Right. We are not in a typical spring market where every Sunday there's a bunch of open houses. Uh, people are doing showings in different ways. Let's talk a little bit about how you manage the showings uh, on Tremont Street. Yeah, so chief concern for from my point of view has always got to be safety, both for myself, uh, the other agents, uh, the buyers, my clients, the sellers. And so what we did is uh, I said, we're only going to allow one party into the house at a time. You make an appointment with me. You have 20 minutes. But before you even make the appointment, I want you to view the virtual tour. I want you to view the seller disclosure statements. If you still want to see the house, then I'll make your 20-minute appointment. Uh, and that works very well. By having people view that information up front, we, we eliminated a lot of people who uh, were not good matches or, or wouldn't have seriously considered the house. And, and then we still had a very full schedule. It's funny because sometimes you get a lot of, of owners who don't like the idea of, of open houses, especially you know when it's their own house, um, because they don't like what are affectionately known in the industry as, as tire kickers or just you know random neighbors showing up because they're curious. Um, and certainly your strategy and, and all of your open disclosures probably did away with, with a fair bit of those. But not everyone is doing their open houses or not everyone is doing their showings like this these days, right? Yeah, I think we're seeing such a, a broad spectrum of how people are handling this from dangerously cavalier to incredibly conservative. On one side of the spectrum, we're seeing actual open houses now where they're just posting an open house and saying, sure, come on in. Oh, could you wear a mask if you don't mind? And then on the other end of the spectrum, we're seeing people say virtual tours only. And I won't even let you in the house until you have an accepted offer. You can make your offer contingent on seeing it after your offer is accepted. Most are somewhere in the middle uh, with some sort of scheduled showing. Some are on lockbox. Some, the, the agent will unlock the door and then just tell you to go through. So really a, a range, but it is possible to see houses now. It is. And I think the other, the other point that comes across very clearly uh, from what you just said is we're market testing a new slogan, Accent Realty, we are not dangerously cavalier. <laughs> just the right amount of cavalier. <laughs> right. Well, it's great that even with everything that's been happening this year, um, you, can, you, know, you can move real estate in this market. On that note, just something that reminded me, of the nine things that we've gotten under agreement as a brokerage in the past, I don't know, three weeks, half of them whether we represent the buyer or the seller, half of them, the winning buyer was not the highest offer because the sellers also are, are valuing the certainty of execution. And that's actually true on uh, Tremont Street as well. But they're still getting, even with that, it's not like they're compromising too much from what we've seen. They're, they're just maybe not taking the highest you know, dollar value, but they're still getting quite good dollar value. Yes, yes, absolutely. Right. The message is this is not sellers are accepting way less money, just that they are considering some of these other levers, you know, for example, dates and contingencies and just uh, really the certainty of execution that, that the buyer can bring. 
Right. And these are things that, you know, for, for our longtime listeners, you've heard us talk about these things again and again and again. You know, we get those pre-underwritten mortgages if you're getting the mortgage. You know, we will do uh, the pre-inspections if available, or we will encourage them because, you know, the strongest offers are the ones have always been. And, and you know, as Avi just said, even more so these days, much more so these days, you know, the ones that are most likely to close are the ones that the sellers are going to take. Um, let's, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit that we, we saw a couple of interesting things again, and it's, it's an active market with lots of things coming on. We're not going to spend a lot of time on a lot of new listings, but, uh, one or two that we saw this week that we thought looked interesting. Why don't we start with 24 Jordan road? And this is a single family on Corey Hill. It's three bedroom, two and a half bath, 2,500 square feet. Uh, and they're asking 1.885. Uh, Avi, what do you think about this? There's a lot to talk about at this house, and uh, I can only imagine that this will be a popular one. You know, in addition to knowing there's three bedrooms and two full and one half bathrooms, it uh, has one car attached garage underneath and another parking spot in front of that. Uh, it's also worth noting this has a hot tub, a salt water swimming pool, and uh, solar panels. Yeah, there, there's a lot going on here. I think, and we, we can talk about all of those three features, but I think before we we get even there. You know, this is sort of the thing that that we get a lot of clients asking us for. You know, when they say we just want to stay in Brookline, we'll take a smaller house, and we say, well, there really aren't that many smaller houses in Brookline, but here you are, twenty five hundred square feet. It's not a small house. It's actually a very comfortable size, uh, but relative to especially the newer construction where they maximize every uh, square foot possible, you know, it is on the smaller side. And, you know, it, it bears talking a little bit about the price that 1.8, uh, 1.9 price point is usually the price at which you're, you're getting a house with a lot of compromises, usually something that's, you know, maybe movable, but very tired, or you're not going to get air conditioning, or you're not going to get like some of the modern conveniences. But this is not a house that has those compromises, as it seems. Yeah, absolutely. This is one that, you know, the under $2 million price point for a single family seems to be, uh, you know, the magical spot where things happen very quickly. And everyone seems to want, uh, like you said, that that uh, small single family. And this one, it has some wild cards with it. Um, this one seems movable. The saltwater pool, I think some some buyers are going to look at that as a real positive, and others are going to look at it neutral, or some might even view it as a negative as, um, you know, how many months a year do you use that? You know, I've certainly had buyers say to me before, we love the house, we're going to make an offer. Oh, we're probably going to fill in the pool after we move in. It's true. A pool is a, it is a, a lot of maintenance. Uh, if you're going to heat it, it can be some cost there. Um, this might be the year of the pool, though, because, you know, as we're going into a summer where camps are iffy uh, and, and people's summer's plans might not be panning out the way they normally do, uh, this might be the year to have a place to sort of staycation in the backyard, let your kids, you know, swim in the pool, cool off and and be out of the house. So I agree with you. You know, New England is not usually the place where people say, I got to have that pool. But, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if if that's more of a feature this year than it would have otherwise been. The other thing you mentioned, which which bears talking about yeah. because they're, they're not so clear on the listing as to how this works, are the solar panels. Um, and solar panels, you know, are potentially terrific. I have them on my house and they're wonderful, um, but they, solar panels can be bought or, or acquired in one of three ways and, and they're all very different. You know, one of the ways is to buy them outright. And when you do that, the original purchaser gets a substantial tax benefit and then they get 
solar credits and they get the benefit of of the free electricity so there's a there's a much higher uh, initial outlay but then then you you get a lot of recurring benefits that come back to you in in terms of the free electricity and and what's essentially a tax break the next level down on the spectrum is the way i did mine which is called a prepaid lease where um, the solar company took all of the tax benefits, but I paid less money and I get all the free electricity, which is which was great for me. It worked out perfect for how I wanted. But then the, the third type is where you know you take the panels for free, you you let the solar company put the panels on, and then you wind up buying your electricity from them, presumably but not always at a reduced rate. And and Avi, you've looked at this in the past, right? Sometimes that doesn't wind up being such a great thing to have or such a great feature for a house. That's right. So I, I think that, you know, when the when the panels are owned outright, uh, it's viewed as a positive and the appraisal association says you can count that in the appraisal value. And if that increases the value of the house, it counts. Um, so that's when it's fully owned um, and it's easy to transfer. And, and that's great. When it's one of those other scenarios, it's a little bit more complicated because well, first of all, there's an education gap in the market of what does this actually mean? How do I factor this into my payments and my costs? And you know, also the buyer has to agree to let it be transferred. And if not, then the seller is still obligated on this lease and, and needs to figure that out with the solar company uh, or find a different buyer. Uh, so it's certainly, um, I think if anything, it's a little bit of a neutral or, or maybe a slight negative for leased panels, and it seems to be a positive for owned panels. Yeah, no, I, and you can definitely see it. I, I don't know what the price is if you're buying electricity from the solar company. If, if these people got them for free, and and then they're just buying from, let's say, Tesla in this case, instead of from Eversource, uh, you'd have to see, well, Eversource is around 18 cents a kilowatt hour what are they paying Tesla? You know, and then what's your guarantee that the price will always be lower? There, I, as I remember when I looked at this, there was no guarantee at the time when I put my panels on. The price was definitely lower to take your electricity from then Solar City, now Tesla. Um, but there was no guarantee about that. You know, it's interesting. My situation, the middle of the prepaid lease, um, I actually think is the best one because um, I have the panels for twenty years. And, you know, my thinking when I did this was that after 20 years, solar panels would be much better than they were when I bought them. And, and in 20 years, Tesla's obligated to come take them off. I don't frankly think they will, uh, but, uh, but I think I can force them to do it. And so I think I get the benefit of, of them taking then 20-year-old panels off my roof. But, uh, but it's interesting. And it is interesting that, that this listing agent did not give any detail in the listing about how that's going to work. So, you know, if you are interested in this property, it definitely bears asking because there are uh, very different ways that that can play out. Hmm. Now, another house that, that came on this week that uh, is in a neighborhood that you know well, um, 67 Toxteth Street. This is an attached single family house, just under $3 million list price, uh, much larger than the one on Jordan Road. This one is 4,500 square feet, so an extra 2,000 square feet. Uh, it has six bedrooms and four and a half bathrooms. So just about double in that regard. Um, three parking outside. What do you think of this one? Well, you know, we talked about this last week. That $3 million price point has always been a lofty one. On a per square foot basis, 
this is not a terrible deal. I mean, it's 663 bucks a square foot. This was built in 2011. And as you say, I know this house well, because I built the one across the street from it a couple of years later. And so I, I, every time I walked out of mine, I looked at this one and it's beautiful. Um, it's not brand new, but it's, it's certainly in great shape. Uh, it seems from the pictures and it's, it's new enough for sure. And you know, it's, it's a lot of room, six bedroom, four and a half bathroom. You have a big family. You got plenty of room and you got plenty of room for guests, um, three parking spaces, two fireplaces. So I, I don't think there's a question about whether this is a good price for that house. To me, the question remains the same as it was last week, which is, you know, how many people are out there looking to spend $3 million on a house right now? Mm. This one was last sold in 2011. So, you know, nine years ago, not that long ago, but, you know, long in the world of real estate in Brookline, I guess. And it sold then for uh, just over $1.6 million. From $1.6 to $3 million in nine years, not so bad. <laughs> no, it's not bad if they get it, if they get it. That's that's pretty good appreciation, especially if they took a traditional mortgage and put down 20%. Uh, that's a very nice return on your money. Um, and also to, to the point I make to all of our buyers, they also got to live there, right? You got to live somewhere. Um, so in addition to taking the appreciation, which is always nice if you have it, um, they lived in a great house on a great block. I love real estate. I think it's great because it works in so many ways when you own a home in a place you love. And, you know, again, if these people get their price, win, 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 you know, great block, lovely house, and they're going to make some money a fair bit on the appreciation. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on this one as we will on the, on the few that we talked about last week, neither one of which I think have gone under agreement yet. Um, so, you know, still a question for us, what's happening at that high, high price part of the market. Please uh, come back and join us next week and, and we'll try and give you as much interesting information as we can find. And if you have any questions in the meantime, you can find our contact info in the show notes or email us at info at accentbrookline.com. Uh, and we'll talk to you then. And thanks for listening. Thanks.